Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pool podcast. Uh, on this show, we are looking back at Manic Monday, I guess would be a good description. Uh, uh, yeah, we're looking back to, at the Calvary game that happened uh, on Monday. Um, as always, the main man, the man with all the, the facts, the stats, Stato himself, uh, Gary Griffiths. Welcome back to the show, buddy. Thank you very much. I think those facts and stats have long been proved to be to be um, fanciful at best. So <laughs> I'm just trying to distance myself from that reputation, especially the stat stuff. Like I, 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 I think it's only been about the past year or two I've paid any attention to stats in football. I can it's just a, about get my head around XG. So it's uh, it, it's more than I've done. I just I, I haven't bothered, so I, I'm just I just why I just defer to you and all that kind of good stuff. You're, so. you're from the Roy Keane school of punditry, though, aren't you? Yeah. Where every everything's reduced to how much effort someone's put in, and who, 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 who wants it more? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, man. That's it. Just before we get into the game, I, I did want to just um, obviously over the weekend, uh, Halifax lost one of its uh, fa- most famous people, uh, Pat Stay. Uh, unfortunately, he. Um, he he died over the weekend, and I just wanted to. Uh, um, he's got like he's got quite a following, and he's like you know a lot of the big rap names uh, like him, and uh, he had he's something to do with Drake and Eminem and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so I kind of just knew him from Instagram, um, and he, yeah. he he's got like he he had like a really wicked sense of humor, like he's really funny, um, and seemed like a really big family man but uh the, the one time i did meet him um and this kind of shows you that he's actually a nice guy because <laughs> uh me and my friend it was was at uh new year's and it was just after when the covid restrictions had been lifted and we were over there like drinking and we'd been pretty much caning it all day and he came in with his buddy and there was nobody else really at the bar and he you could just tell that he just wanted to have a quiet point and like not have to uh deal with two fucking drunken idiots that are sitting at the bar anyway of course we like hey you were pat stay blah 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 and uh you know he took the time out to come over i'm sure it was the last thing he wanted to do was hang out with us and he had a point of guinness with us and he tried to split the g and, and all that kind of stuff so um yeah he, he seemed like a really nice guy and i said like he kind of gave us the time of day so condolences to uh his family and friends and uh, all his fans out there because it's a big loss for the city so a lot of people i follow via wonders on instagram were posting about him and with pictures and stuff so i figured he was um pretty well-known guy in the community so yeah very sad yeah very sad um so yeah so let, let's move on to the game um so it's we're, we're kind of we're in this kind of vortex now of like you know like on the face of it we're still talking about somehow making the playoffs but it's because it's not mathematically impossible um but what you had said like the last time about you know given uh the the younger guys a uh, a chance and stuff like that. I think that's looking at the the team sheet that we had, I, I thought that was kind of where Stephen Hart was going with this one. Um what were your thoughts? Yeah, I something we talked about last week was how instructional the lineups were going to be between now and the end of the season. And I thought 
Saturday's sorry Monday's lineup was incredibly instructional like you, you're kind of seeing in real time who is on the boat and who's not on the boat anymore yeah. and you can you can read between the lines on a lot of players right now and and say you are definitely not coming back next year like again we don't need to name names it's pretty obvious if you look at the subs bench if you yep. look at who's missing from the subs bench if you look at who has been brought on in recent games you you know who the coaches trust and you know who the coaches are invested in and the the the, the lineup for monday's game were players who were very much on the boat like they're they're I would imagine from the first 11, I would imagine all maybe, maybe 10, but I, I would expect all 11 to be back next year. And I think now the challenge is you look at that group and it feels quite fresh, doesn't it? It feels, yep. it feels quite energetic. It feels youthful. And that's what you want. Like the season, the season's done. Like we all know it's done. The playoffs are gone. And all we need now, all we want now as fans is just something to pin some enthusiasm on and pin some hope on. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me looking for something to get excited about. But I, I see a group there that I'm quite excited about. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Campania at some point today. I'm sure we'll talk about the backline in general and how young they looked. But just kind of more more generally, like that's a young group that... And I, I, th I think the key here is we need to layer. We need to layer on top of it. We don't just need to go... Like I don't think anyone in the in the team, and I even include Rampy and Jeremy in this, who I love. I love them both as players, but I don't think anyone in the team should be safe from us looking for an upgrade on. If there's yep. an upgrade on Rampy, yeah, go for it. If there's an upgrade on JGL, go for it. Like we need to really layer on this lineup now because it's it's good. It's not it's nowhere near perfect, and it needs a lot more to be added to it in terms of experience because it's very young. The group out there on 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 Monday was very young, but if you start to layer on top of that and add add bodies that I don't want anyone below that level, that's the minimum level. So all the signings now have to be players that improve that or kind of give equal quality in, in each position. But yeah, it's good. I like, I like that 11 a lot and I liked how it looked. Yeah. Unfortunately, like we got, you know, two big cogs in that, like, uh, like Fumpa and uh, uh, Jeremy, like ha had to go off pretty early with, with injuries. And I, I thought that, um, we were kind of taking along nicely. Like one of the big, one of the big things we we talk about is like uh, chance creation, and uh, this was another game where I thought we created quite a few really good chances, and it, it's it's something. It's just it's just it's, it's something. Just, it's it's just frustrating <laughs> that you know, like like it's not like like some of the games when we were playing, we weren't creating anything, and it was fucking horrible to watch, and it was like this is dog shit, and it's like it's really frustrating to watch, and then you see a performance like this. Um, which obviously it wasn't like like swash swashbuckling or nothing like that, but like there were some good, good, really, really good chances. And again, like we're we're not taking them. And Stephen Hart had to come out again afterwards in his press conference and kind of talk about like how we're not putting these chances away. And it's like it just seems to be an ongoing saga where the the team not being able to take the chances that they're creating. And like I mean, some of them were really good. Like I think uh, Salta had two really good headers like that. In all honesty, like he should have buried, like this, the first one I thought he should have buried, and you know we had Fernandez's chance, which was some of the, some beautiful um, setup play. The, so I mean the the build up to that, someone yeah. posted it, I retweeted it, I can't remember who, but someone posted it on Twitter. The build up to that goal must have been thirty passes leading up to that, and like the pattern play, the triangles, the spatial awareness, it's beautiful. It was really really beautiful move, and it would have been our 
it would have been our best goal. Um, but unfortunately, he couldn't finish. So yeah. And, and I, but I think that's the thing, though. Like it's if if that was another team that had done that, like we'd be pouring over it. You know what mm. I mean? And I feel like we're like we're kind of we're in the trenches now with this whole season. And to, to be honest with you, like going back to what you said last week, like I kind of just want this season to be done. I, I just, I'm just, it's, I just feel like I'm just, you know, just hit the wall with it all. But you know, like this, this was kind of nice. Like I, I thought we were playing against a team that desperately needed to win because they're trying to stay in the playoffs and the playoffs is getting tight. Um, and I thought we put up a really good uh, performance about it. And I thought that we looked pretty solid at the back the last 10 minutes, maybe like they were kind of putting on a bit of pressure, but it wasn't anything too crazy. And, I must say, I was like, we kind of talked, you kind of mentioned we were going to talk about it, but I, I, that back three of Ruby, Omar, and Campania, like Jake Ruby has been fantastic since he's come back from injury. It's kind of annoying that it's took him so long to get back because I would have loved to have him the whole season, to be honest. And uh, Mo Omar, another great game in there. And then I, I just want to get you to give us a few words on Campania and what you, what you saw. Yeah, those those three work beautifully well together. I think you like as football fans are we our eyes tell us very quickly when something works, and you just know, don't you? you have a you have a feeling, you have a, a sense of security when you see a certain group of players together in a back line. And it it took about five minutes to look at those three and go, yep, that works. Like that, that if you look at the components that you want in a good defensive in a good defensive setup, there they each offer a little bit of that. Um, Ruby, just a word on Ruby. Like you said, I think he's been excellent. He's he's been completely flawless since he came back, and that's yeah. that's coming back from an injury where he didn't kick a ball for a, a good year, year and a half. I'm not sure exactly how long, but that's a long time to have out. And very, very quickly, he's found his feet again. And I really like him where he's playing at the minute, which is kind of the the right centre back in a in a back three because like he's not the tallest, so. You don't have to rely on him too much in terms of aerial duels when he's in that position. His his job is more, I think his job is more what he does on the ball and how he helps us build out from the back. So he's yeah, he's been phenomenal since he came back. As you said, like like Ruby isn't the tallest, and you know we've kind of seen him always as a kind of a a wing back. But I actually think that the couple of times, even like Lassie's when he kind of slotted in there, I thought he was very, uh, he looked really good, and you know having. Mo Omar in the middle there, I like I, he just looked great again, didn't he? Yeah, he's another player who's grown in stature. I think over the past five or six games, the Edmonton game aside, where he struggled a little bit, I think he's been brilliant. Um, he's he's very very calm, and actually, I thought when I first started watching him for us, I thought he was calm to a fault. I thought he was a bit too calm, and it came across as a bit languid and a bit sloppy. But now he's kind of got the speed of thought to go along with the calmness. You can see him really. Like it, we need him to build play from those deeper deeper areas. We like we talked about last week again the Edmonton game. Everything was being built for our centre backs, but they weren't quite cute enough and subtle enough on the ball to build through the lines. But Omar can do that all day long. Like like we we were actually talking about it, weren't we, during the game? Because you came up and, and sat yeah. in my section for a bit. Like we were saying how he basically plays in the same areas of the pitch, whether he's a centre back or a six. So we're, we're talking more like roles versus positions again. Um, and his role is essentially the same. Like he's our deep line playmaker who can build through the lines. Um, last one, Campagna. Yeah, I, I thought Campagna was was phenomenal, actually. A really, really, really good. I was, I was trying to watch him quite closely because 
like he's a new player and we all get excited about new players and he it's the details with him he's got so many little details that I absolutely love like you'll see him when he's shaping up to receive a pass he points at what foot he wants the pass played into because he's so two-footed he can like clip it with his right clip it with his left punch it in with his right punch it in with his left like he doesn't care which foot he gets passed to he'll he'll find he'll find the right pass so you see him like shaping up for the pass pointing at his right foot for example and that what that tells me is like like number one he's very very comfortable on both feet and number two his brain is thinking three or four steps ahead because he knows right if I get it passed onto my left foot the way I shape my body and the angle I'm opening up the left side of the pitch if I get it passed to my right foot there's obviously space on that side to open up for me to play to so they those details are just are just really really interesting and his positional awareness as well like I think we probably focus a lot on what he did on the ball on on Monday because he was very economical very tidy in possession but in terms of his off the ball work as well like his his awareness of defensive distances, his awareness of when to plug a hole, his awareness of my my partner has shifted X amount of yards this way, therefore I've got to cover that space as well. All of it just, like, he looks like an incredibly well-coached and well-brought-up player. Like, fair play to his coaches in his youth setup because they have got him, they have got him drilled to perfection. And, yeah, like we said, like we said last week, if this signing happened in the off-season, we'd all be popping the champagne we'd be getting the caviar out and we'd be toasting a title charge but it didn't so we kind of we I don't think we viewed it as favorably as we should but yeah he's a he's a player he's a player yeah it's definitely like kind of flew under the radar and, and like you know um we kind of talked about last week how like where he's coming from his background and stuff for that it definitely should have been a little, little bit more of a um, especially like now because we, like we need as much good news as we can get, yeah. and you know I, I feel like they should have they should be in a little bit more fanfare around it. But like he does, he, you're right, he totally looks um like a player, and, and th- as you said, like there about he, like he knows when to kind of cover people off. That's definitely something like I, I, like I've been trying to say all season. Like we, we're missing that, you know, if somebody is gets pulled out of position a little bit. Like we never seem to have somebody who knows. Okay, I need to get there to because if that ball comes through, and I, he just seems to have that awareness of like where he needs to be, and um, yeah, I must say, kudos to uh, the recruitment team, like Matt Egan and stuff like that, for going out and getting them because uh, like him being the captain of their MLS two team, it's like I'm sure there's a lot of people kind of sniffing around them, so um. Yeah, kudos and those. Yeah, very, very quick, very quick on that. Sorry. Um, so you mentioned there about like how um spatial awareness and getting pulled out, and that's how we concede a lot of goals. But that's yeah, that's completely right. We've we've talked about this before. We've we've been really poor in in defensive transitions this season when things get a bit chaotic and we haven't got our structure and shape. Uh, and you 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 solve that by having players like him who are very intelligent and very aware of their space at all times and to plug those holes to stop that happening. So we saw um, um, Gabriel Escobar uh, play plays kind of play as well. So what what are you thinking of him so far? Um, I think somebody had asked us about it, but uh, what what are you thinking of him so far? I, to be honest, I, I I haven't I haven't seen him yet. If that makes sense, like some some players jump off the pitch and you straight away ten minutes you understand them and you see them and you know what they are. But him, I'm still I'm still completely figuring out. I don't really know. I don't really know what he is yet. And that that's not like 
It's not saying it was a bad performance. It wasn't at all. He was good, but it's just stylistically and what he's going to offer. I don't, I don't really know yet. Um, I noticed in his first game, again, because he was a new player, I was watching him. Every every first touch he had kind of took the ball back towards our goal where the space was. And that's completely understandable because it's your first professional game. You're probably a bit nervous. So you want to do yep. the safe thing. And the safe, the safe space is going backwards. Um, I thought he was a bit more forward thinking on Monday against Edmonton. But I still, I want. I, he's one of those like, like Campania, I've, I, I feel like I completely get him already what he is, but we're Escobar. I want to see him in different types of games and on different types of pitches before I like get a hold of what he is. I want to see him on a big pitch. I want to see him against a low block. I want to see him against a high line to see what he does running in behind. What's his pace like? Um, what's his dribbling like? Um, and that, that's all to come. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what he is yet, but I, I, I've seen enough little snippets to feel quite infused. Yeah, that, that that's the thing. Like, I I think we definitely don't need another player who back towards air goal and not forward because we have we have like such bad trouble like trying to just move the ball forward sometimes. I like it just kind of gets like uh, it, it, I think that's how we get kind of stuck into these kind of like games that are just like it just feels like it's a mire. It's like it's just boring to watch because it's like we're just going backwards and we're trying to do whatever. So you know, I just looked at it. Like he kind of grows a bit in confidence because, like the people who've seen him in in BC have said that like he's the type of player that likes to get forward and and create chances. And I think that's something that we definitely need. We need somebody who's going to be able to take players on. And you know, I, I feel like if if that works, him in front but on that kind of that side will mm. will work really well. So I'm hoping pace. Yeah, we need yeah. pace, don't we? So yeah. So uh, you know, like it, it's kind of tough to uh, get deep into the weeds and a nil-nil draw. But, you know, I, I thought that um, that young back line against an experienced pro like Joe Mason and they had uh, Di Chiara and uh, Charlie Trafford. So, like, we were up against, like, pretty, like, a lot of, um, like, hardened professionals. And I think that we, we like, you know, we kind of rode through it pretty well considering, like, how young the team was. And I, I think overall we should be happy, I guess, with not losing at home and get a good point against a good team I, I, I suppose. yeah I think so I think so I think it was a good first half performance and the second half um you, you see, we had quite a few players in there have not played a lot of football this season and you you saw that in their legs towards the end yeah. um cavalry probably had the better of the end of the game but first 50 60 minutes was all us um yeah I, th- I thought it was a I thought it was a good performance and like I said earlier it, it instructs what the future is going to look like. Um, I, I actually think on Cavalry, we we usually give them a good game because I think they're a really good team. They're, they're like very wily, aren't they? They've got yeah. a lot of like old heads. They know how to like manage. They know how to manage games really well. But the thing they don't have is athletes. And I think that's what we don't have either. We don't really have athletes. So when we come up against teams with a lot of runners, we like think about Ottawa with Tabla or um or Forge with like Sissoko running from midfield like anytime we come up against teams with with athletes with teams with a lot of sprinters I think we get found out a bit but against someone like Cavalry like we can match him we can match him kind of in terms of physical robustness and we're not going to get beaten in a race by them either so we'll we'll always give them a good game until they start signing 100 meter sprinters so- so you know, look, we've kind of uh, made a lot 
in the season of like players being sold by Calvary and Pacific and all that kind of stuff. So do you think that's actually coming coming back to bite them quite a lot? Because you know, like like Pepple is obviously like a great. He's really good for them. Like he uh, he is an athlete, and like mm. you can see the difference that he even for that month or two that he was with them before he went off again. Like, do you think that's that's why the the pl- the playoff thing is kind of all over the place a little bit because they've got rid of like I mean like Pacific have got rid of yes. like most of their big players you know and well what 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 have Pacific done since Diaz was sold they've Nothing. done about as well as we did when Morelli yeah. got injured and it tells you like most teams have a talismanic figure and we were unlucky enough to lose that talismanic figure in the second game of the season and it does have a knock on effect. Pacific, I don't think they've won since Diaz was sold over the like five or six games since. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose Valor would be the exception there because despite... Um, Akio gone? Yeah, they've, they've looked really good lately. They've found a new way of playing, but it does it does affect you, but, absolutely. But, but, but I feel like we're... Um, I, feel, I feel like with Valor, like, like Moses Dyer is, I, I think, is an athlete and he's kind of like somebody... And, you know, like, I think they had enough already... Like you know, without like stuff coming through, and I thought that they brought in a couple of players that were were pretty decent too. So, it's and kind of, with, it's Val- with Valor, they didn't lose a player who was part of their spine. Yes, like Pacific lost Diaz, who was a, very much a part of their spine. But with I've always find with wide players, it's a bit easier to compensate. And that's the thing. Like I, I just felt like you know, like it's just the the whole thing just seems to be getting kind of screwy the way it's kind of you know it's just uh it's kind of funny but um so yeah just before we move on to our Molson mailbag uh Kieran Basket great performance um I think that was probably one of his best performances in a uh um a Wanderers jersey very assured um I I can probably think of once when he kind of came for a ball and like didn't get it but everything else like I thought he commanded his box really well he, he got down really well to the shots and didn't put them back into danger. I thought he was a. Uh, I thought he was uh, excellent. Um, yeah, I, I, the the big thing I I always think about goalkeepers is I, I want to walk out of the ground forgetting they played. Like I want to be <laughs> able to walk walk out the ground, and if someone asked me who was in goal, I meet the guy. Not a clue. I don't. I can't remember who was in goal, and it was that sort of performance from him. Like, which tells me, like my brain didn't feel stress at any yeah. point on set pieces or when it went near him, ball at his feet. I felt no stress because. I don't remember anything he did, which means I've not like got PTSD about anything he did. <laughs> so yeah, that's the biggest compliment I really can give. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see now what happens with, with Oxner back um, being fit and stuff for like that. You know, like it's it's going to be difficult to take Basket back out of the team again because he he he, he did really well. And I think um, the other game, the la- our last game at home that he played in, I think that was that against Pacific. I think he was really good yeah. too. So. Uh, yeah, yeah no, he def- definitely should stay. Definitely should stay. Yeah, uh, but it's like it's Oxen has it's 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 a weird one for Stephen and rather him than me making those decisions. I guess that's why he gets the big the big books. Mm. So uh, let's move on to our most main bag here. Uh, I I screenshotted most of them. I, I think <laughs> there, was, uh, but, there were loads again, wasn't there? I love yeah. It. So, but if I've missed anything, you're going to have to uh, help me out here. So no, my phone's over there, mate. But I'll try and remember yeah. some. Uh, so this one's from uh, your number one fan, Dave Robinson. Are fans entitled to criticise the club? Are we there for a good time or are we there to compete? Isn't three full seasons of failure, all the games aside, quite enough failure for before change is needed? What What's your thoughts on that? Right, less elephant in the room. There was an incident on during Monday's game. I think we've we've 
decided between us that after the statement the club put out today, which anyone listening who doesn't know about what happened can go and read and look into, but we've kind yeah. of decided we don't really want to get into that. So I think, like, I think that a line has been drawn under it by the club and the people involved as well. So, yeah. um, but I think that is what he's referring to, but more broadly as well about criticism and, um, and the time and place for it. And I, this is what I personally feel like, and I know a lot of people disagree, but personally, I like I like criticism to be kept outside of the stadium. So social media, feel free to criticise. Write a blog, feel free to criticise. Do a podcast like we do and we criticise regularly. Um, private message people at the club airing your grievances. Like I, I feel like that's the place for criticism. I, but I, I really strongly believe in the stadium. Like we should be supporting like our, our ultimate goal and our ultimate desire and want as a supporter is to watch our team win so what we do should in like what we do should help that happen and like i've always hated booing in a stadium even when a team plays badly because it just creates this environment where where the players who we want to perform well and who we want to win feel uncomfortable and feel like they can't perform because like <laughs> that's it. like any sort of exercise in like mental health will tell you that if people are telling you you're bad and criticizing you in your ear um you're not going to perform well because that hits your confidence so that's just my personal thing i've always thought and this is pre-wanderers this is back home as well i've always like preferred in the stadium support outside the stadium say what you want criticize every right to um but yeah in the stadium try and be supportive where, where yeah. do you come down on that i, I feel like sometimes that like people just want to be heard right and they want to be able mm. to that when they do have criticisms of the club um that they that they're being heard and it's kind of it's kind of difficult when you're not you're not getting the response back and i think that as a season ticket holder i think you have a right to if if you think things aren't going the right way to to air that grievance and i know that you said like you prefer to be outside me it's like i, I think holding a sign it's like whatever. If it's not disrespectful, as you said, if it's not like singling out players, like you know, all that kind of not fish to wear the short stuff. I hate all that. I just think that if you have an an issue with um the, the club and the way it's being run, I think that you should have a right to air your grievance. But on the flip side of that, you don't get to be a complete and utter asshole about it and get personal and like you know, like don't um, you, you, there has to be a. a there has to be a line somewhere. Mm. And I, I think that, you know, like somebody, you know, it's like holding up a sign saying like sack the board or all that kind of stuff. It, it mightn't, it's not going to change anything, but I think they have the right to hold up their sign and say that. Um, The problem is though, when you try to do stuff that, yeah, I, I, I don't want to get into the weeds of the whole thing that happened on Monday, <laughs> so I'm trying my best not to. So <laughs> just I, I just, talking around it. Yeah, that's basically what, what it is. But I, I, I think that, um, you know, I think, and I think this is where a supporters' trust is going to become really important for the club, in that supporters will have a voice. Um, because I don't right now, I don't think that they actually have. I think that right now, like we've got supporters groups, and the club talks to them about different bits and pieces, as we saw with the message, which was great and all that kind of stuff. But your average Joe doesn't have that. You know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of um. Can you can you think of like any sporting institution in the world that ha that like your average supporter has a direct channel to, like I, I think with us like 
Derek's very act. Well, he, I don't think he is so much anymore because he's been stung a bit. But he was very active on yep. Twitter, and you literally have a direct. Anyone who goes to the ground has a direct channel to him, I, and he will see it. Like so, they they are aware. They're aware of. Well, but I think I, I think one of the great. I think one of the one of the good things they did. One of the best things they did was. Do you remember they were doing a thing where they were going to different pubs. And yeah. Stephen Hart was there when uh, Derek was there, and they we're kind of meeting people face to face. And you know, we, we talked about it before that famous thing where the guy was at the uh, West Ham uh, supporters mm-hmm. thing and was like, you know, like Frank Lampard will never get anywhere. But, but but you need that kind of forum, I think, to stop that stuff happening. Because if if your average Joe, like who isn't a part of the supporters group and is sitting in the stands or wherever like that, you know, like obviously you can vote with your feet, but. You don't want. I don't. I don't want to lose that person. I think that they have a right to um to have their say. And like, let's be honest. Like, it's been a, an awful season, and I don't think that's anything to do with. I, I. I. Like, it's obviously the book stops at the managers and stops at the owner and all that kind of stuff. But nobody wants us to be in this position, and I think everybody's trying their best behind the scenes to get us out of the rut that we're in. But it's it's sometimes when you feel like you're like you're you're trying to engage and you're not getting it back it just kind of it, it creates a vibe and i just think that having more of an open forum with the fans um i think would be um a really good idea because i know at the, the jersey launch like they had you could ask Derek a question but it was kind of all like pre-approved if you know what i mean and i think that like having you know at the end of the season having something where you know, if you're a season ticket holder or whoever, you get a chance to go and, and they sit up on a table and answer questions and kind of just answer them as honestly as they can. Um, Derek comes on podcasts and any any questions that we ask him, you know, he'll 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 answer and like he, he's very he's 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 brilliant like that. But that's just that's that's my questions. You know what I mean? And like I'm not the voice of anybody because something that I want answered isn't what somebody else might want to answer. And I just think that mm. they need to kind of maybe re-engage it a little bit more with the fan base and let them know what's, what's happening and what, why we are in the situation that we are, to be honest. But that's just my two cents. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a slight reluctance to do that at the moment, given... Because, again, they, they, they see everything. Like, yeah. they, they see everything on Twitter. It's not like all these people with the hashtags and all these like you look under if we lose you look under the the twitter post or the whatever it's just relentless relentless people like they they see all that they're well aware of the the vibe around the place so um just sorry just going back to what you're saying i think i think the problem a lot of us have is we kind of we're all obviously this is nothing new like because of the internet everything's very binary isn't it there's a right and a wrong and i I genuinely think in this situation everyone was in the wrong (laughs) everyone every single side of it um but also like i kind of come down on these two things can be like kind of diametrically opposed but also true at the same time so criticism is completely okay and please don't do it in the ground though because it kills the players like those both those things are true and it's just it's a difficult situation yeah and it's, it's very common it's very common in every football club in the world as well i i i think with um with the way that this league is set up and like you know as, as you mentioned that we had a very young team out on on, on monday um i, I you know it, it's it's also you have to be very careful with the message you're trying to 
uh, get across to, right? And mm. you kind of have to you don't watch. want to kill those young players. Yeah, and you, you have to kind of watch your words. So yeah, like I, I just it was it's. I'm glad that the statement was released today. Like I think that everybody just needs to kind of like, you know, um, like learn the lessons from whatever happened, um, mm. and, and just you know, uh, hopefully with the the fixes that they're trying to put in place will will hopefully try and, and, and fix that and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, I, I think thought, it, I thought it was funny. Like a lot of people were like, oh, no, the hundredth game. And like, this is a low point on the hundredth game. And I was kind of thinking, yeah, that was, it was all very unpelleasant, but like, <laughs> it felt like it's a, this is an adult football club. Now this is a, this is a, a legitimate three di- three dimensional football club now because find me a club in the world that's established that hasn't had incidents like this and hasn't had kind of hot points like this. Yeah, it, it feel like it feels like we it feels like Wanderers is a real established football club now. As weird as that sounds after something so the lead le- the led left such a bit of taste, but I think yeah, we're we're it's like it's 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 part of. The emotions of it because it's, it's an emotional game um it's also unfortunately when you mix alcohol in with those emotions <laughs> um and there's also like you know like like maybe not clear messages on what where's the line and stuff like that so yeah as i said i, I really don't want to get into the whole uh, yeah. semantics because I, I i wasn't privy to it and i like you know you there's four million different sides to everything so dave uh, personally i'm like you like dave's a He's a, a socialist. He's an, he's an Everton fan, though, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, like, and, he, he's and he's coming he's from a, a different place. He's he's kind of like a socialist, so <laughs> he kind of wants uh, the the people to have their the the right to uh, say say how they're feeling and stuff like that. But I I definitely think you're right that there is a kind of a a common ground where I think you should have the right to. Um, say how you're feeling but you also have to be respectful about it I yeah yeah so I mean I, I don't like don't want to misrepresent myself I absolutely agree with him that we've in the stadium you've got the right to say what you want but personally I yeah. don't think it helps the players and that's why I don't like it it's just the kind of stuff that's make me feel like that the I just wish the season was over I just feel like it's just been a need a refresh. Shit, it's just been <laughs> a shit show from beginning to end and we still have like a bunch of we still have a couple of games to go so only five uh, to go mate I know we've got a yeah. playoff to games as well Oh, yeah sure uh so somebody had asked um daniel sequira had asked about um escobar and Campania, which we've already talked about there map map boudreau had asked um was wondering if either of you had experience from your younger days across the pond with regards to fan base as a club to support or otherwise starting to spoil after consistent poor results and are you seeing signs here if so any words of wisdom um, like my, my local club was Russian and Diamonds and I never really saw it there because without hijacking a whole podcast, like the trajectory of, of Diamonds was we were a very much a non-league club. Then we got a massive cash injection and we climbed through the leagues really quickly. And then we spent all of our money, went out of business and were gone. So you know, yep. it almost wasn't even time to have any sort of revolts because it was just like, <laughs> oh Jesus, we're playing in front of a man and his dog, and then the next minute we're in League Two, drawing three three with QPR. So I didn't really get it with them, but like with Arsenal, it was I I've, I've still got massive PTSD from from the the split in the Arsenal fan base that existed for about seven or eight years. Um, I'm sure most people listening know, but. The manager, Arsene Wenger, came in in 1996. First 10 years, amazing. Won league titles, won FA Cups. The next 10 years weren't so good. And by the end, the fan base was kind of 
at each other's throats. There were punch-ups in the away end almost every week for Arsenal games, punch-ups in the away end. Fans would be chanting stuff against each other at home games and it was just messy and horrible. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't deal with it very well, to be honest, because I had a weird, like, I felt like Arsene Wenger was my dad because he kind of, he joined yeah. the club when I was 10 years old and I hated seeing him criticise and stuff. So, yeah, no advice because I, I dealt with it incredibly badly. Yeah, it's, you? you know, like like being a Tottenham fan, we've kind of all been true. But like in, in Ireland, like there is uh, the club that I, I, I like, um, I support the Shamrock Rovers and they were all over the place. So basically like their, their ground got sold off to... Um, developers and they were basically homeless for like 20 years or something like that where they're just bouncing around from different grounds and um they finally got their own home in 2009 uh, out in a place called Tallon in the south side of Dublin and it, it, it trying to keep a fan base together while you don't have a, a home is quite difficult you know and like obviously if you don't have the revenue that's coming from um your home stadium and stuff like that like you the club nearly went bankrupt a bunch of times and it, it wasn't very nice. Um, and obviously with Tottenham, I've seen like during the 90s when the club was like nearly went bankrupt a bunch of times and Alan Sugar came in and it, it was just like a, a horrible time for the club. Like, so I've seen it. Um, looking at where we are, the club is only four years old. And I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think, I think, you know, like I was talking to, to Matt Fegan after the game the other day and he kind of mentioned, you know, like, like, you know, it's four years old and like there's a lot there's still a big learning curve and you know like the clubs we're talking about are 100 years old or 120 years old so it, there's 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 still a lot of ways to get there but this season has definitely uh, this is a good question from b mcbrill is there a reasonable cap for under 21 minutes in cpl i.e in a 28 game season if a team fails an under 21 player for all 90 scheduled minutes of each game that team would reach 2,520 minutes. We started at 1,000 minutes in 2019 and are currently at a 2,000 minimum. So should it cap there or continue rising? I like, it. I like it where it is at the moment, but I think what they need to do is each player can only achieve a certain percentage of those points, if that makes sense. Because I, like, I don't think it's necessarily fair that we've had Zach Fernandez basically earn us all of our points. Um Whereas another tier, like I, I feel like I, I don't know, I can't give you numbers here, but you that 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 those minutes should be split amongst several players because if we really want it to be like a reflection of how many minutes we're giving under twenty one players, it needs to be more than one player per team. I, that's that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, I think I think York announced today that they'd hit like five thousand under twenty one minutes or something like that. But um, and then obviously you've got. Um, like Atletico Ottawa, who are like you know, probably going to be hitting the finest line of it all, and they're like they're just going to ram in a lot. Like and that, that's kind of against the 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 way it it's you're right. It's kind of it's against the the way the that spirit. the the spirit of the way it was brought up. That yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, like Ottawa just cramming a lot of kids at the end when they've already made a playoff, or we're just using one player. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really good point, and you should uh, uh talk to um Mister Noonan about that. What after we weren't invited to his launch, yeah, not a chance. He's he's on our blacklist. <laughs> actually, uh, I saw I saw the uh, 
I saw the former uh, uh, commissioner at the Wanderers game on Monday, Mister Clanigan. Was he there? Yeah, he's uh, apparently he uh, he has a place here in in Nova Scotia. Um, oh. I saw him be bopping around, and obviously I had like I was at the game, so I had like a beer or two on me. So I was like, you know, that's David Clanigan. I was like, I'm gonna say hello to him. And I went over and said hello to him, and I'm sure the last thing he wanted to do was have to. Yammer to a, <laughs> a, a half in the bag Irish man, but uh, I, I, had, I had a beer with him once. See, like he's, a, he's actually a pretty nice guy. Um, and he's pretty yeah, he's, he, was, he was he was cool. So, um, they did an event. We, I don't know, well, I, did, I didn't know you at the time, so maybe you were there at Niche. It was before the league started, it was about a month before the first season started. I they did a QA with either. him, with him and Derek and Niche. And at the end, me and Shep were just having a beer at the bar. And I think Clanagan wanted another, like Derek wanted to go home, but Clanagan, oh, or was he going to get his car or something? I can't remember. But Clanagan was like, no, I want another beer. And <laughs> me, me, me and Shep just happened to be sitting there. So he sat down with us and we had, we had quite a good chat, actually. We were like chatting about the Rangers Celtic thing because I can't remember which side of it he falls on. He's, but he's, a, he's a Rangers I think, fan. I think, yeah, he's a Rangers fan. Yeah. So we were talking about Scottish football in the night is like me and him were having a chat about like that Rangers team with the loud drops and Gaza. The, the one that they cheated with. Um, basically, yeah. But yeah, I, I enjoyed chatting to him. So it kind of always made me a bit defensive of him when people would really shit on him and like when people would say he's, he wasn't into football, he wasn't a football man. Like you can't just blag your way through a 1995 yeah. chat. Sorry, a chat about the 1995 <laughs> Rangers squad. Like, he, he knows his football, but yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of just asked him a little bit about the Windsor project and he said that's still... It's, it's still in the work so um yeah, we, we have kind of been silent a little bit on that for a while so it's kind mm. of nice to know that it's still ticking away in the background there and uh it's ironic that it's windsor because after we had that chat i remember shep and i apologize shep for getting you in shit here but he'd always refer to him as windbag when we talked about him because he, he just fucking talked and talked and talked <laughs> like oh windbags on youtube again oh my god <laughs> windbag I, in windsor I, he doesn't listen we're fine I I I do not, that is. Yeah, that's uh that message is all Gary. I I do not think he was a windbag at all. I just thought he was a, <laughs> no, a very nice, a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so some uh, Jordan from Halifax asked uh curious if either of you are watching the Welcome to Wrexham uh, docu series and if so what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I haven't I, seen it and uh, I'd love to. I want to watch it but yeah, I'm the same. I ha- I haven't watched it. Um, I I heard it's pretty interesting. Like especially like I think there's a part where somebody was telling me that, uh, at the game the other day that um they're trying to sign a striker and like the money that they're offering is uh absolutely insane. That like that's I think it's I think it started with Salford because I remember um there's a, there's an Irish guy Adam Rooney I think his name is and he was playing with Aberdeen in the Premier League up in Scotland. And he earned more money dropping down into the conference yeah. with uh, with Salford than what he was getting out. Uh, um, and I think another team from the championship, but I actually came in from a team, and you still get more money at Salford than what he would have been. So yeah, uh, I tell you, if if it's anything like the the documentary they did about Salford and like Gary Neville and whoever else is on his consortium running the club, that was really really interesting. Like seeing. Like I think that's way more interesting than like the all or nothing documentaries, which is yeah. so cu- so curated and edited that you see nothing because yeah. the clubs give the okay on all of it. But those like lower league ones, you see a bit more. It's a bit a bit more raw, isn't oh, it? Oh, so, like uh, so I imagine if, the Wrexham one will be good. Yeah, and, and I, 
I, I'd imagine it's probably going to be a little bit edited too because it's like Hollywood people, but um, they're, they're edited uh, to make those two look good. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah I I just love. It. I think it's such a fun project, and I'm glad that they've got involved in it. And it's just so out of uh, left field that I kind of yeah I, I enjoy because I uh, obviously Charlie Trafford who I had on the show was uh, keep he. he was supposed to play for them, I guess, but he never actually started for them. Was, uh, anyway. yeah. You know, I, I, I absolutely hate Wrexham as a football club because really? one of my formative football memories, it must have been about... Did they knock Arsenal over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so about not, like one of the first things I remember after becoming an Arsenal fan, we wore the bruised banana kit and Wrexham knocked us out of the FA Cup in the third round. It must have been like 92, maybe, 91. Um, and I still... Yeah, I carry those wounds. So no time for Wrexham. <laughs> Finish club. <laughs> uh, Andrew Watson, Andy Watson asked this, the same question from last year, uh, last week. Do you still think we're going to score another goal from open play before the season? <laughs> you know, I wanted, I wanted to ask this question every single week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then the last minute of the last game of the season, we finally scored from open play. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a fucking overhead kick from Pierre Lamont. Yeah. Um, where are we? Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, this one is from our good friend Denton. Um, do you think that the CPL will ever institute a VAR system? If so, will it be because they want to or because they're forced to? I I hope not. I hope I don't want that anywhere near this league. I don't want it anywhere near any league. I fucking despise VAR. <laughs> you? Uh, I think um, I, I, if it ever is instituted, it'd be because it's being forced by FIFA and FIFA, like, yeah. if they want like all the uh, the, the top divisions to to have it but i think it's miles off before it comes anywhere near this place oh, it's so expensive you basically need to pay an extra set of referees you need uh, to pay for all the technology to have it set up it's so expensive yeah. and it doesn't bring it brings nothing it, like from an emotional point of view it brings nothing to the yeah, game yeah like, like you know we, we saw like the, and the the funny thing is like when i started doing the show first we were talking about um var and we're still talking about it now like like Two or three years, three years later, uh, and it's just—it's just been a—it's just been a disaster the way they've implemented it. And you know, like nobody seems to understand what it is it's supposed to do. Nobody seems to understand the rules, and it's just been a, a mitigated disaster. And then we we had like an incident over the weekend. I think it was like it was a Huddersfield where uh, like they've got the Hawkeye system on the goal line technology thing. I missed it a goal uh, because. Uh, some players were standing in the way of the because they've got like ca- the cameras that detect them. Yeah, it's so you know it's like it's what we all wanted. And like I mean, if you go back to like five ten years ago, people were like, and we've brought it up before where the way your rugby does stuff that people were like, we should have this for for football. But if you're watching a rugby game, it, it does take quite a while for those decisions to be made too. And I think um, that the problem is with with the way that football is is that you know. Um, there's so many like technical rules, and it's a it's a lot of it's down to interpretation, which is where a big a lot of this issue is coming from. Because one referee will think something's a foul, and then another one won't, and then it just gets into the oh, like the one of the ones at the weekend there, like was it the Chelsea game with West Ham? Like there's no way in God's green earth that was a fucking foul, and it's mm, like no, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And uh, like, I, even like getting away from all of the granular sort of arbitrary decisions, like. I, I've always said, like, even if VAR was 100% right 100% of the time, I still wouldn't want it anywhere near the sport because, like, 
football, like let's be honest, football can be quite boring sometimes. And all you're doing is waiting for that moment when your team scores yeah. and that that's like the soul of the game. That's the, the beat and heart of the game. And if you take away the ability to actually enjoy that moment, which I don't anymore when I watch Arsenal, because part of me is always like, oh, it's probably going to be disallowed for something. If you take that away, then you're taking away the soul of the game. And yeah, I don't it's, like it. I, I just feel like once again, like, like the, the spirit of it has been misconstrued again. It's like it was to stop like referees missing like, outlandishly like obvious offsides obvious mm. fouls or whatever it is but what we ended up with is like protractors and compasses and <laughs> lines and and it's just it the, the whole thing of what the fans wanted it for like you know like the pedro i don't know if you remember because I'm, I'm pedro mendez scored a goal against manchester united that was like a foot yeah, over it was, the, um tim tom Car- tom carroll was that his uh, name, the goalie? Uh, roy carroll roy, roy uh, carroll yeah yeah, yeah. so so, like, you know, for stuff like that, you know what I mean, or in really important games when when major offsides are missed, like World Cup finals and all that kind of stuff, I, I get that's why we need it. But when it's like, when you have got like a line between somebody's like shoelace and somebody's mm-hmm. like finger, it's, it's, yeah. So, um, I hope I'm, I'm like you. I think that the league, like, we don't need, I don't think we need it. Like, I'm nah. not that, like, you know, um, Definitely the not. thing is, like the Wanderers don't score any goals anyway to get this allowed. So, uh, anyway, so, <laughs> um, so this is from uh, Hammer of Sparks, which is uh, Kevin, who is a, uh, I think he's a, he's a Forest fan, I, I believe, and he's he started doing some uh, articles and stuff. Yeah, they're games. good. I read, I read um, the ones. Yeah, he he's a re- really nice guy. Um, so what the Wanderers have been the perfect playoff team. As the season hits the business end, goals are a premium across uh, the Canadian Premier League. Since August 1st, the top four scoring teams for a match are York, uh, FC Edmonton, uh, Ottawa, and Halifax. Uh, Pacific Forge and Cavs are all way under one per match. Um, with this one, I think we would be a really good playoff team because I think that's Stephen Hart's strong point, uh, as the Island Games kind of shown that we were, were like in that kind of format. Uh, he's a really good coach because. Um, international football all that kind of stuff is all group stages and it's all about you know making the most of away games and all that kind of stuff and I think that's where Stephen really excels Um, so I think if we have if we do make the playoffs I think that we would do uh, really well but and and we have a lot of players with youth sport backgrounds who yes would have experienced playoffs a lot because of that so yeah I think we would be a good playoff team actually we just need to get there yeah like so yeah a good playoff team terrible 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 regular season <laughs> i'd like i'd like us to win the win the playoffs without scoring a goal yeah like, draw draw every yeah. game nil nil and win on penalties <laughs> that would be the the, stephen hart, we are the would, entertainers that would be the most stephen hart way to win the championship um i think this is another one from denton this is our last one so um let's talk about oops i lost it uh, let's talk about new teams for a second. Do you think there's enough talent in uh, BC to put together a competitive team in Langley's first year? Even if there is, recruiting will be a bigger challenge for Saskatoon. Will we ever see a CPL expansion draft? Um, I'm going to pass that one on to you because, to be honest, I, I like my knowledge of grassroots Canadian football outside of Nova Scotia is zero so I have no idea how much talent there is out west I'll tell you what though if you do want to know that 
um i used to do a bit of writing for the guy's website it's like aftn.ca i think he's at aftn on twitter but really nice guy but he's bang into like the grassroots scene out west so give him a follow on twitter if you want to learn about players who are playing out there who are prospects but yeah i I wish i could give a better answer than that yeah he's a uh he's a big uh white caps fan isn't he yeah, I think Scott, so, yeah. I think he's Scottish. Um, anyway, um, I I think that we're obviously we're um, we've we, we've shown we're getting the Escobar that uh, you know the League One BC is going to be a good feeder system. I think for uh, the clubs out there, and I think as well that the Vancouver Whitecaps Academy seems to churn out so many decent players. Like uh, I mean, like many players in the league have come through the Vancouver system. So I think. Uh, I think they will do okay. I think Saskatoon is going to be probably in the same boat as what Halifax is, is that they don't Big have um, a, a natural league around them to kind of uh, cherry pick from the way that um, League One BC and PLSQ and League One Ontario have. So I think they will struggle. In terms of like a CPL expansion draft, I'm... What, so what what is an expansion draft? I don't actually know so, that. So is. they so they do so what they do is that when a new team comes, you, you you're allowed to keep like a certain amount of players like safe, and then whoever is not safe, this other team can draft them. So basically, like you're pulling, oh like Edmonton sort of deal, but yeah, not, so but so, kind they, of. so so basically, like they do a lot in uh, um in in hockey and stuff like that. So when the Las Vegas Knights came along. Basically, like, you know, each team could pick five players that they couldn't touch. They're untouchable. But then everybody else is up for grabs kind of thing. So wow. they're doing the MLS too. With, um, I think when Nashville and stuff came in, they did the same thing. So basically, like, amazing, for... like other sports, the lack of player autonomy when it comes to, like, <laughs> I think in football, it's very much player led where they go and who they sign for. But in other sports, it always seems like, now nah, you got to move halfway across the country. Yeah, so. like, I, I, can, I can understand why they do it because obviously you don't want the team to just come in and shit the bed um so so i do get that but it is kind of awful too that when you sign for a club like you and you've agreed to move to a city that the following year like another club can just be granted a, a license and then there's like well you're gonna move to uh langley like it's like being in the military or something like you don't mm. you just get like posted out somewhere so yeah you're gonna, you're gonna be drafted so, by the by the footy prime so podcast. so I, I guess my question then would be to my follow-up to that would be if if we were allowed to keep five players, um... oh fucking hell! You don't tell me about this one. Right? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Who would you keep? Uh, it doesn't matter about position. No, nope. Um, I would keep Rampasad, Jeremy, Morelli, Campagna, because he's new and I'm in love with him, and Fernandez. Nice. All right, so uh, that's the end who, of the show. Fuck off. Who would you keep? <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't do that to any of the players. I call them out <laughs> that. So, yeah, I'm not going to get involved with it, to be honest with you. I think you're a heartless Frick. bastard for even saying it. <laughs> Bin the rest. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah i think that's uh i think that that's that's a wrap i think we've gone over everything we've walked a tightrope and i, I, I don't believe you've bottled please, that please god that we haven't uh pissed off anybody with the uh with the craziness uh this week um i, I forgot to get the, the the bloody sponsor in again so uh yeah it's uh the show is sponsored by molson Coors. The beer I I was drinking today is uh, the Rattler, which is actually available at the grounds for the games, and it's 
probably one of the nicest rattlers I've ever had. So Flying Brewing Company is our uh, beers of the, the month. I think there's like four different types. So uh, I'll be trying one each week. So do we need to do a man of the match as well then? And the, uh, like geez, most forgot- man of the match. We, we, fu- we fucking forgotten everything, haven't we? It's the Heineken we? man of the match. Jesus. Oh, Christ. Heineken. <laughs> yeah. It's the, the most Mal- star of the match. <laughs> Molson mailbag. <laughs> Heineken man of the match. Rickard's rants. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's your Heineken man of the match? I kind of want, like, I think Basket deserves it. I think he had a really good game, but I'm going to give it to Campania because, like you, I, I I think he's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. Gonna go companion. Um, for the sake of someone different, I will give it to Omar. Nice. So I've given for, it to Omar quite a lot, haven't I? I know. And I think he deserves it. He's uh, he's been like, you know, that bit when he was out of the team for quite a while, whatever happened, he's like come back a different player. So uh congrats yeah. uh to him. Yeah. Um so Valor on Saturday. Saturday. Um three home games left. I know it's crazy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that this is one night. I th- like. I'd like us to to win just to kind of put a little dent in their uh, playoff hopes. So let's hope yeah. that we show for that one. Folks, please. Right, folks, please. Time to drink on folks. Get out. Out to 